New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community, proudly supported by Umbrella Connect. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, welcome back to the show. That's our first one for 2022 and very nice to have Henry Burrell joining me in the studio. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Yeah, good to good to see you. Yeah, you too. Nice to be in a, an actual space rather than on Zoom for once. Yeah, yeah. It's nice being able to uh, you know get, get back to... Yeah, somewhat sort of in-person We're getting that. Uh, activities, uh, at least for, at least for a little while until the next uh, yeah <laughs> uh, flavour until Omnicom. Uh, Don't say it, Paul. <laughs> uh, has to be let, let through the doors. I guess yeah. it happens at some point, right? Um, yeah, I think but so. yeah, I think that the the thing is we've had plenty of time to get used to how to work and how to operate, mm-hmm. and those organisations maybe that that you know weren't as well prepared early on. Are mostly in a really good state to uh, to operate. Of course, there are some businesses, unfortunately, um, where that doesn't doesn't work. But mm. um, you know, hopefully, New yep. Zealand will, will weather uh, whatever twenty twenty two throws at us. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of people are still at the beach at the moment, but at least we're enjoying that weather while uh, while we kind of wait for that border opening. But no, it's good to be back in New Year. Positive vibes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And uh, look, I, you know, I guess um, there, there's a bunch of tech news that we, we definitely want to, you know, want to yeah. delve into. But um, to you know, to set the scene a little bit, I, you know, I think that these discussions we have here on the New Zealand Tech Podcast, um, you know, part of it is just keeping up with the play, what's happening, mm. and mm. and hearing a little bit about that. But but also, we you know, we want to encourage you know New Zealanders to be taking advantage of technology, leveraging technology where, where it's appropriate. Um, you know, over summer we probably all have been more for, for fun purposes <laughs> and probably so so much uh, so much work. Mm. Um, but, you know, technology this year I think is, is – I guess, you know, I could probably say this every year realistically is the, the role of technology and the importance of how we utilise technology – becomes more and more important as each as each year goes on mm. as the world becomes more digital yeah. the opportunity to um, you know Im- improve how we how we do business how we you know how we operate through technology um, you know I think this is this is going to be another year where where everyone needs to stretch themselves a little bit more look at the opportunities do new things um, and and take advantage of, of technology. Yeah. I mean, are you talking about from a business kind of perspective there? Mm-hmm. Or? Uh, look, I mean, that's, that's obviously, you know, a big interest for me is making sure that, you know, we do things right from a business perspective, that we, we do things that are going to help the New Zealand economy and, and, you know, anything that we get right from that economic perspective, if it's done, you know, if it's done right and it does well, that flows on to the, you know, the general well-being and, mm. and you know, success of, of everyone in New Zealand, right? That's, yeah. That's what we're... So we look. That's what I'm looking for. Sweet. <laughs> Set the bar high. I like yeah, it. Yeah. 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 No. Definitely. I, I mean, there's there's always lots to talk about, and it's it's great coming here to talk about it as well. And um, as as we'll find out, it's not exactly been quiet over the Christmas period. Um, I mean, yeah. Also, just in terms of I was on. I switched phones today because I'm reviewing another phone and I was yeah. setting up everything. And I was like, oh, yeah, I keep thinking about how I know I report a lot on the business side of things or what the Ministry of Health's doing in terms of the technology. But I just think COVID as well, the fact that so many people, uh, particularly of older generations, have had to, uh, well, uh, the great rebirth of the QR code. We all know what that is now and how that works and just how these things are inserting themselves into modern life. Um, it's pretty hard to exist without it at the moment, even on a, just a day-to-day level, even if you don't run a business. So yeah, I kind of find yeah. all that fascinating. Um, 
I mean, just imagine trying not to use a smartphone for a week at the moment. And I mean, everyone sort of thinks, oh, yeah, I could do that. I bet you couldn't. <laughs> All the things we use them for, um, just completely integrated with how we're working. So, yeah, yeah I definitely um, businesses have a, a lot to think about. But I think people are pretty much married to it now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For you know, sometimes sometimes it's for the better. Sometimes it's got it's got its downsides, right? Um, but I think you know what what interests me is how how we take advantage of you know of the the good things of technology yes, sure. and how we try and sort of squash and and minimise any <laughs> of the the, uh, the the negative uh, the negative aspects. Um, as you say, there's been a, a lot going on over mm. over the last few weeks from um, from a technology perspective um, you know definitely some of that is is at home here in New Zealand for you know New Zealand specific mm-hmm. other things are you know, very much on the global stage but of course all of those uh, those things have you know have some sort of an impact uh, here in New Zealand um, one of the um, I guess it's a, it's a bit more on the the um, the, the the geeky tracks. I'm not sure it necessarily should have been at the at the top of our um, at the top of our list. But I thought it, you know it was quite uh, interesting. Is um, we I saw this tweet come out um, last week about uh, Norton antivirus. Oh yeah. Um, I guess the the wording of it suggested that that Norton antivirus now comes with malware included, um, <laughs> that it's you know actually you know effectively sort of in, infecting your uh, computer by putting um, crypto mining software mm. on your computer when you install it. Now the the tweet was very sort of you know clickbaity. I su- I suppose it was it was um, you know designed to. Um, attract attention and retweets and, and so, so on. It probably it, wasn't wasn't um, it wasn't the full story. Put it put it that way. So right? is this the tweet that was suggesting that Norton is kind of surreptitiously adding crypto mining to your computer and then sort of taking a cut of the money or like yeah, use, using that, it in the background? Yeah, exactly. Right. Which, right. which um, how would that work? In 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 reality, you could you yeah you you could say. Um, it it does actually do that, so it you know mm-hmm. it does uh, probably yeah, um, well yeah the this latest version of of Norton Antivirus, which has been in the market I think for um, about six months from mm-hmm. the, you know the coverage I've read on it, um, has installed this element that can do um, you know can generate for you. Um, cryptocurrency by doing crypto mining in the background, um, but it doesn't do so unless you turn it on. So right. yes, technically it is there and it's installed, and there is no option when you install it to say no, I don't want this. Okay. I don't ever want this on on my device. Uh, so yeah, it's not, um, but it's probably not quite as bad as that as the as the tweet suggested. Now, Norton have provided guidance of how you can get rid of it, but I do think that it shows um, it's, it's poor form on Norton's perspective so, to, to just install yeah. this without giving you the option to not install it or, or, or giving you that choice. So what was Norton's suggestion then, that you would install it and use it for your own mining purposes, or was it it trying to kind of like you know leech off the power of uh, all the computers that it that it um, sits on well because you've got to you know you have to make that choice that you want it to do the mining for you mm-hmm. um, yeah you make that call but then it can you know it can generate for you uh, cryptocurrency that over time could right. stack up to be worth a you know a chunk of money um, 
more likely so if crypto prices sort of you know spike, which mm-hmm. they certainly have done in the past. They're probably down a bit at the moment. Um, but the other piece is that they take a fifteen percent cut of anything oh. that you generate. Now, normally, if you install something that's going to be doing this job for you, you know, the cut it's going to take is going to be very, very light. Where you can install right. something where you know, I don't think you're necessarily giving away a you know a cut to to another party. Um, so yeah, this this. Aspect that they're taking a fifteen percent cut um, didn't doesn't seem to go down well with mm-hmm. with with a lot of lot of people. Um, yep, fair fair enough. Um, and then there were questions raised around, well, can you you know can you actually genuinely make money out of this? And right. the, 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 the 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 comments I read and without you know getting out a spreadsheet and doing my own calculations based on on New Zealand prices, and now um, electricity isn't. Yeah, isn't particularly cheap in New Zealand, right? Um, on the flip side, it, it um, you know we we have a much smaller uh, sort of fossil fuel element to it. It's, it's mostly renewable. Mm. Um, but, but anyway, the general you know comments from the US sort of media side were well, you could go and do this, and you could blow a hundred bucks a month of extra power to generate cryptocurrency. But um, you know, in a good case scenario. The hundred bucks extra that you spend on power for you know Norton to generate cryptocurrency for you might generate around a hundred dollars worth of cryptocurrency. Right. So yeah. it's not like you're spending fifty dollars worth of worth of power uh, to to generate a hundred dollar return or or anything. Yeah, you know, I can see where the where the skepticism comes from. If that if that maths is correct, then yeah, it looks like a very popular company is trying to say that it's kind of making. Uh, what is quite a complicated thing um, uh, to start out with, at least um, easier and more accessible for consumers. But if there's if the economy of it is, is poor and and they're going to take a cut, then um, yeah, it, it looks a little bit dodgy. And if they haven't explained it very well, I take it if it's made such a splash, then they didn't exactly announce it with uh, with with full fanfare. It's just creeped onto people's computers. Yeah, yeah. So look. I think there's, there's a good aspect to this. It's, it's got us, you know, talking about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, crypto mining is not something that is, is, you know, particularly, you know, mainstream. Yeah. And I remember when it was sort of just beginning and, you know, be the odd friend that was, oh, you know, mining this or that. And it was Doge and it was, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and so on um, at varying, you know, varying points. And, you know, then people that set up a whole lot of you know um, devices to uh, to 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 mine for them and and ruined and, the uh, the global price of uh, graphics of, cards right yeah 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 yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. so um, but I, you know I think uh, there is there's something to be said for bringing this information mainstream helping us understand it a little bit more mm. um, and and it raises the um, the the profile a little bit of um, uh, of cryptocurrencies um, and and of blockchain and these sorts of things, which I you know I think um, you know my general feeling is is as a society we we have lots of gaps in our knowledge around technology, and the more that we fill those in and we educate ourselves, the more that we can take advantage of technology when it's appropriate. Mm. Yeah. On the flip side, sometimes more people end up uh, you know. Losing money, getting scammed, etc. So uh, yeah, that's not uh, a good look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, we might come back a little, a, a little bit more um, 
there was some some blockchain related matters um, during the episode. Um, one story that came up during CES that caught my um, attention uh, was to do with Ford, and I've spent a little bit of time um, with Ford at different events. They uh, they took me to quite an interesting gathering in, in uh, Silicon Valley a few years ago. Uh, I went to an event um, they put on uh, in uh, New Delhi. Uh, I think it was, and um, and uh, you know, been with with them to an R and D center in Australia. So I've sort of you know watched quite closely. I've chatted with a couple of their CEOs in the past, um, and what you know what I what I noticed from reasonably early on compared to you know, um, the the broader. Um, Auto maker uh, firms, you know their competitors, um, that they were, you know, taking a really huge interest in technology and 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 um, uh, you know how it might play out longer term, how it might impact their their business. Um, they had a futurist for for a long time who I've you know, chatted with on a couple of occasions, um, and so that you know they seem to be really you know quite forward thinking now. Doesn't doesn't mean that they're necessarily at the forefront, um, but they've also gone and you know invested into different startups. And one of the uh, firms they bought was was Spin. That's been doing these um, you know e scooters as we've seen around varying parts of uh, parts of New Zealand. In fact, I was in uh, Whangarei over the weekend, um, catching up with uh, with a friend who's starting a business there. And uh, you know, he was telling me how the e-scooters have just arrived right. in, in, in Little Whangarei, uh, and uh, how much fun people are having on them. He's sort of saying, "Look, the first uh, the you know first few days, they were probably you know mostly people were just blown away that there were these you know thousand dollar scooters just left scattered around the streets, and you know that they would have lost a, a reasonable percentage of them being thrown in the." In the creek and in the river and in the ocean and you know vandalized in different ways, but once people sort of get over that, you know they end up with a little bit of a business going on. Um, and the headline um, around Ford was that with Spin, they're effectively pulling out of any uh, city that doesn't limit the competition. And so, it, yeah, it just I just found it quite you know quite curious. That um, you know, this seems to be a field where there needs to be um, you know a level of, of sort of local government uh, control. Mm. Otherwise, the business model maybe doesn't actually work out too too well. Well, um, in Auckland, we, we, yeah, we kind of have a rotating cast of uh, scooter yeah. companies in Auckland, right? Yeah. I think well, I've only lived in the country for about three years, and I remember I used to get was it Flamingo. And, we, yep. and, and yep. you can't get them. Any, you can't get yeah. them anymore. Yeah. It's all beam, yeah. beam and lime now. Yep. Um, yep. So uh, yeah, obviously, um, yeah, New Zealand does have uh, certain uh, bids that companies have to do and certain regulations that they have to meet. And clearly, sometimes that they they swap them out. So maybe we'll we'll see spin in, in Auckland. But um, yeah, well, how, where do you stand on on the idea that you know they need to be you have to wear a helmet because often I mean for instance back in the UK at the moment. Um, we're still in the stage of only having uh, trials for, for e-scooters. You have e-bikes that you can rent, mm. but it's actually illegal to drive an e-scooter on the pavement or the road. 
you can only drive them on private property. So I came here and saw people wow. buzzing around on scooters and thought, yeah. thought it was pretty great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they are a bit of a, a law unto themselves sometimes. You know, you see people, like three people on them, no helmet. Like, <laughs> uh, Do you think that's a, of a concern, the safety aspect of it? How are companies like able to monitor that? Yeah, look, and, and this is one of the challenges with new technologies, isn't it, is how quickly does the legislation catch up? Yeah. How quickly do you put it in place? Do you say, no, let's stop until we've figured it out, like the UK, and then, you know, there may be, you know, X number of years behind, you know, varying parts of New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure there's always a – well, I don't think there's a perfect a perfect answer. Mm. Um, but – the, the safety bit does concern me. And in, in New Zealand, because we have ACC Accident Compensation Corporation that you know basically pays out um, to cover all the medical costs and so on when someone you know falls off an e-scooter, yeah. we end up with some you know, pretty clear uh, data on this stuff. Mm. Uh, certainly around the financial costs, it doesn't tell the full story if somebody, you know, gets brain damaged or is killed and, and, and so on, and, and, and those things happen. Um, but there's also, you know, do you just completely ruin everybody's fun and a chance to get a feel for how this can change mm. a city, right? Yeah. And, um, I mean, we've got, um, yeah, we've, we, I guess we've talked about this, you know, quite a bit over the, over the years. Um, you know, our services manager at uh, uh, Gorilla Technology, um, you know, was a really early adopter of a, you know, an, an electric bike before oh, yeah. they were very, very common. Uh, e-scooter, we got a, you know, company uh, e-scooter quite early on. So um, just to kind of work out where does this kind of fit in terms of the the change in transport modes and yeah they do seem to have quite a good um, you know quite a good sort of position in um, taking cars off the road giving people an alternative an alternative choice mm. and so that there's definitely some upsides but I think you do have to balance that and yeah I would you know personally I would probably lean more towards hey you know easy pretty easy for them to offer a helmet with them. How good's the helmet going to be? Has been already been dropped on the ground and not really that effective. Yeah, so I but and I look I don't know the the science on how how well that stuff plays out, but mm. you know, it would seem to me that um they should be able to have these around the place and have a helmet clipped to them and yeah. that's part of when you finish up you got to reclip the helmet sort of Back in, I guess there's probably ways to to trick these yeah, exactly. um, trick these gadgets. I see now some of the higher end ones that you know that you can buy personally, and some of the other um, uh, e scooters or, or e mopeds and you know e motorcycles and so on um, are, are following the track that we see in in cars, uh, where there's you know a SIM card and a data connection, and there's a sort of you know constant. Communication, so right. you know, yeah, that potentially changes um, yeah. changes the picture a little bit because then you you know the well, I guess the the company concern gets all this data um, being fed back, and so I would imagine uh, if it's not happening already that that would just become the norm in these things. And the first ones were, were pretty um, pretty dis- dis- you know disappointing those first sort of e-scooters and then they've got better they've got stronger and more robust mm-hmm. bigger batteries more powerful yeah I was on one the other day and, and I was just right? surprised in a good way that it um, limits your speed in certain areas of the CBD they're clever enough now that they can 
I mean, it must be pretty rudimentary GPS built in to, oh, to know where see, it is. Those there would drive me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going, I was going uh, yeah, down by the waterfront and it slowed me down to 15K, I think. Oh, so, yeah. 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 But, get, I mean, that's getting a near good, the edge of the water. Yeah. yeah. No, I can see some It's a good safety feature. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but you and you're not going to please everybody with these no. things, right? So, um, yeah. But look, I'm pleased that we've got them here in, in, in New Zealand. And, I, you know, I hope we just we balance those safety aspects. Yeah, that'd be important. Yeah. Um, without completely completely ruining it, right? Yeah, they are uh, fun at heart, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so yeah, the the so I thought yeah that that interesting aspect of the way that councils have been controlling it here in New Zealand and limiting to say two or three players, mm. maybe a certain number of 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 e scooters or or e bikes. Um, yeah, Ford have kind of basically come to the conclusion that. It doesn't make financial sense to operate outside right. of those that style of framework. If there's too many competitors, it just you know it fails. Um, you know to be financially viable, and of course you might get players who won't care and they want to get some sort of global global dominance mm-hmm. or you know regional dominance or what have you. But um, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be that much of a hassle to install a. To install an app and, and away you go. Yeah. Probably what, similar to what we've seen, although I feel like um, ride sharing is maybe a little bit stickier. Mm. Um, you know, I would I still tend to gravitate uh, to probably a bit more towards Uber. Yeah, and and I'm not sure whether there's any rational aspect to that at all, other than other than Uber's the app that I've been able to use in lots of in lots of lots of different countries. Yeah, and most of the yeah. time. I'm not using a ride-sharing service, you know, too much around New Zealand, particularly, you know, over the last couple of years. Well, most yeah, of it's true. In lockdown a lot, so. Yeah, I think the yeah, Uber obviously got in there with the brand and, um, and and that's why people gravitate back towards it. Um, although the other day I was I was went to get an Uber. It was, it, was a, <laughs> it was the first day you could go to the pub after lockdown and it was uh, like a, a seven, I did, but it was a 17-minute wait <laughs> yeah. for an Uber. So oh, then, okay. then I went to Euler and then it arrived in three minutes, you know, so at least we have yeah. the option. Yeah. But I speak to a lot of um, uh, yeah, rideshare drivers because um, particularly when Ola and Didi um, also mm. came into New Zealand mm. and you see drivers who had maybe three phones up or they were switching between the apps. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I found, uh, to be honest, that that's going away quite a lot when I, I try to ask each driver, you know, if you've got things pinging away there, do you, how do you juggle both apps? And usually they just have a bit like the consumer, a bit defeated and said, oh, I'll just go back to Uber. It gives me less commission, but there's just so many more users on it. Right. That it, makes, yeah. it makes sense for me to yeah. stay on it because um, yeah. the others do pay out better, which is obviously an incentive for, for people to use them. But if the customers mm. aren't there, it's a bit different with scooters, I suppose. Like if I wanted to get a beam, but I can only see a lime, then got to get that one, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that's that's and that yeah, that is a little bit of a difference there, I think. Um, now, a new, well, actually, not such a new company, but new to me, um, and their name is actually new, or that's how you say it. But it's NIU um, as a company making. They've started out um, making a different type of e-scooter. Or maybe I call them an e-moped, mm-hmm. so you understand more like a, a little Vespa, oh, but yeah. an, an electric one, and they're varying. 
you know, takes on those sort of, you know, Vespa and little Suzuki, you know, typically, uh, you know, they've had a sort of a 49cc motor, I think, to come into the New Zealand market. So you don't have to be getting a Warren of Fitness and, you know, whatnot. You can oh, yeah. ride them on a, you know, if you've got a, a car license, you don't have to go out and get a motorcycle license. Um, so this company, New, NIU, uh, they've sold over 500 thousand units um, uh, based based out of uh, China but I hear that um, one of the co-founders who's no longer with the company was a, was a Kiwi and oh, yeah. they're making these neat little scooters they've got the uh, incorporated uh, you know GPS and, and and SIM card I think you get a, a minimum three years of, of service with it when you buy it for that uh, component and around forty two hundred dollar um, starting point. So if you maybe kind of like some of the aspects of the um, the 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 e scooters we're talking about, the stand up uh, e scooters, but you prefer prefer maybe the more uh, traditional scooter and you want to be able to go on the road, maybe go a little bit faster, uh, then that's that's another uh, another option. So. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I'm interested in exploring them, but they've got distribution here uh, in New Zealand and parts and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, kind of curious to see uh, to see how that plays out. But it's a it's a price point that's not too far. Well, in fact, it crosses over with a lot of the higher end, um, you know, faster stand up e scooters that people are buying. Mm. Um, and similar some, similar price to e bikes as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and. Um, and in, in an interest, I guess, with the, the e-scooters, I think we're seeing probably quite a few of those that are probably flaunting the laws in terms of the speeds they go, the amount of power and, and so on. And they might be sort of um, artificially have their you know capacity drop down and so on, but there's usually a pretty easy way to sort of switch those those things up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that that's really being being policed at the moment, no. and that probably falls into that safety category again. Um, you know, some of these things can can technically do. You know, I've heard of up to a hundred k's an hour. Yeah, that's insane. A little thing going <laughs> down a little you know cycle track or something. So, uh, um, yes, <laughs> fascinating times. <laughs> Um, now on the on the New Zealand uh, on the New Zealand front, we've got. Orcon and Two Degrees uh, merging. Now, Orcon, of course, um, was Vocus um, yeah. um, up and up until you know very recently. But we're now calling the the group uh, Orcon uh, as the the ownership of the New Zealand entity of Vocus has gone through uh, a change there, and then. They're acquiring uh, the assets that I think were under uh, Trilogy. Yeah, that's right. And so that becomes one um, one unit. Now, you did an article on this uh, for Business Desk last week. Yes. Yeah, um, thankfully my, my colleague uh, picked this one up on New Year's Eve when I was very much not at work. Yeah. But they decided to announce this at 7pm on New Year's Eve. Yeah, um, I did see that. <laughs> sneak, sneaking in for 2021. I just find this interesting. A telco is kind of like... A, one of my big interests at Business Desk and uh, why I report on. And just the fact that um, these were two companies um, who were both looking to IPO. 
and then got really quite far down the track with that. They were doing non-deal roadshows. They were getting valuations. They were looking to to list um, dual listing on the ASX for two degrees. And then Orcon, they were looking to, as you mentioned, they've renamed that group Orcon Group and trying to divest the, the New Zealand arm. But they both um, packed in their own IPOs and then talking about, about merging. And as you also alluded to, it's not actually a merger, technically speaking. I mean, as you said, the, um, the owners of Orcon are, are acquiring 100% of two degrees from Trilogy. Uh, and Tesbrit as well, which was the other the other shareholder. Um, but from the most interesting thing about it, I mean, uh, I spoke to yourself and another another expert last week, um, sort of saying that don't expect too much Comcom uh, huff and puff. They they've got to go through OIO and Comcom um, for a one point seven. So break, break those acronyms down for sorry. Yes, of, uh, um, <laughs> the Commerce Commission uh, <laughs> would sometimes would ha- take umbrage if they, particularly in this instance, were to be creating an entity that would uh, assert any kind of market dominance. And we don't think that's going to be the case, even though there's a one point seven uh, New Zealand billion uh, dollar um, valuation on the company. This is basically going to create a, a third telco uh, to rival uh, Spark and Vodafone. Yeah, that, that's what it what it seems, doesn't it? Is that this will this will make that that merged combined entity mm. um, much more able to compete with with Spark? I think so. Vodafone because Two Degrees uh, has done a pretty good job, right? I mean, last ten years it has it's still got that kind of challenger brand. I mean, it, it really leans into being the challenger brand as well. But in mobile, um, it's, it's kind of uh, I think I was looking at the numbers, and I think Spark. And Vodafone have about forty percent each of the mobile market, and, and Two Degrees is on about nineteen, mm. um, with the other one percent, all the other various uh, operators. But then with this deal, Orcon, which uh, confusingly owns Orcon, Slingshot, Flip, Stuff Fiber, you know, it's all these kind of the multi-brand strategy that, that they have. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, if you add their thirteen percent fixed line share to Two Degrees seven percent, you've got a twenty percent. Uh, share of the market, which brings it right up to the 21% of Vodafone. So I think Vodafone will be a little bit worried now, given that it's got a competitor, uh, should the deal go through, that's, that's got the same market share as them. Um, but I mean, in terms of the consumers, I mean, if you look online, there's a little bit of, you know, you see a business news story like this, and, and, and some people might say, well, what does this mean? I'm a two degrees customer, or I'm a flip customer. Is anything going to change? Um, I, I, it would be interesting to hear your take, because we were discussing it before about um, whether or not the company will keep the two degrees branding or it'll keep Orcon branding will they keep all these brands how do you think that'll play out yeah I mean my my uh, feeling and you know certainly until we hear otherwise is there'll probably be a level of of um, status quo mm. uh, you know, it has worked well um, you know for Vocus slash you know Orcon to have this multi-brand strategy over a period of time and you know you imagine a, a, a scenario under which you know, a customer gets sick of Orcon, and then they, you know, they they pick. Oh, well, let's go to two degrees. Uh, the, the customers don't always know who owns who, right? So, um, you know, there's a reasonable knowledge that that uh, Skinny is, uh, you know, is part of Spark, but it's also yeah. kept quite a bit of independence of its of its brand, um, and and. You know, Spark will no doubt lose customers. You know, probably to to Skinny and, and quite possibly, you know, vice vice versa. But with with um, there being a, you know, really a whole bunch of brands here, yeah. there's probably you know a higher chance, uh, you know, of somebody 
moving from one, you know, one to another. Yeah. And so you end up sort of keeping them rather than, you know, you kill off all the brands and you're just sort of, you know, two degrees, then, you know, you don't like two degrees and you go to Sparkle, you go to, yeah, you know, you go to Vodafone and, and I mean, there still are, you know, some other players like, you know, Voyager and the, and the, and the market, but, um, you know, it's pretty hard for those smaller brands as these other ones, uh, you know, grow in terms mm. of their their strength for 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 the other brands to attract yeah. too much attention. I, I, yeah, I definitely agree that um, yeah, coming in into New Zealand is hard to tell who owns who and whether you're actually just going to a yeah exactly a, a competing brand that is actually the same yeah. owned by the same company. But yeah. I think there'll be probably a little bit of consolidation if this goes through um, because I mean obviously they're, they're trying to create a big third player that will rival the size of the other two. So if you keep a split brand strategy, maybe it's going to be it would be dilute what you're trying to create. But um, no, it should be positive. And I mean, I can always hope that the cost of mobile data will, will go down <laughs> thanks to a bit of competition. Um, having, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. that's got to happen naturally, doesn't it? As, we, as 5G becomes the norm, which, you know, two degrees 5G network is, is you know, is due to launch in the in the next, you know, I guess a matter of weeks. Yeah, you hopefully, know, yeah. Now, um, you know, probably within, yeah, we're, Within the the next, um, I think it's what by the end of March. I think they're hoping, yeah, first a, quarter, hopefully. What we what what we heard. So um, you know, as we've got five G then across all the networks, um, you know, our data caps. We expect those to kind of keep you know keep moving up, and and they need to because mm-hmm. we keep using more. And uh, yeah, no one wants to be you know throwing a whole lot more money at that stuff. Although the, the you know the telco. Um, World, I you know, I guess um, yeah, would like us to spend more. At, at, yeah, at, at, you know, yeah. we're all used to spending less and less over you know <laughs> over time. And you know, I think of what I what I would you know spend uh, you know across across our team. And uh, um, you know, it's maybe a, a, a tenth you know per person um, than you know what it, what it would have been to get a similar sort of level of of service going you know going back. You know, say fifteen years right. or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, certainly mobile costs have have really you know come down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unlimited talk and text type plans, and and then you know big chunks of data and so on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that um, how that plays out. Yeah, but, it's an um, interesting one to watch. I don't see it being blocked, but um, yeah, that's the next thing to look out for. Mm-hmm. Yes, exciting. And um, ask ask nicely who are. Uh, uh, you know, I've thought of them as a as a Auckland based startup, mm. uh, but you know, a Kiwi startup. But now they're based in um, in in Portland. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and the news out this week is that they've just raised thirty two million uh, yes. U- US dollars. Yeah, I just thought it was a, a good one to pick up because it, mm. it ignites a, another little debate that we like having about New Zealand companies going abroad. But I just mm. thought that um, yeah, I spoke to their. Their CEO, Aaron Ward, um, he's, he, as you said, he's based in Portland. It's a company called Ask Nicely, founded in 2014, um, and it does frontline worker feedback, basically. So the, the, the idea around it is that, and actually going back to Uber that we were just discussing then, he told me that they model their products off Uber, the fact that you can give immediate customer feedback and um not only is it very easy, but it goes straight to the employee or the you know the driver in Uber's case. Uh, so this one will be in you know the service industry. Like if you go and buy a pair of shoes, and it will text you saying, "Oh, did you like that experience?" And then, but the it actually gamifies it for the employee as well. So they have their own platform. Employers can 
help coach them or give them recognition and feedback and what he was kind of saying was that you know too often that feedback that customers give just goes straight to a boardroom and he doesn't actually improve yeah. uh, how people perform day to day so that's the idea behind it and i just thought uh, 32 million us dollars is a sizable chunk um for a company uh, of any size but the fact they've only got you know 60 employees at the moment they're hoping to double the um the headcount with this money um, and yeah, just the fact that they have re-domiciled in the States from uh, 2018, I think it was, or 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose it just kind of opens up. He, he, he was talking about how he kind of modeled uh, their ambition of zero and push pay companies that were founded in this country but went abroad to find success. And I know it can be a bit of a touchy subject sometimes talking about um, this kind of thing with, with whoever I'm discussing it with in, in New Zealand business circles. But um, I mean, clearly he's moved it to a country where... There's a huge addressable market, and half the employees are still in Auckland. They also have an office in Amsterdam. But I just thought it was a nice little story. Um, yeah, a company uh, <laughs> asking nicely <laughs> uh, and getting getting what they what they set out to do, but perhaps yeah. going abroad was part of uh, part of what they needed to do. Look, uh, sometimes I think it, you know it really is, and certainly the, the you know the, the market. Um, yeah, needed to be you know very much global. Their opportunity was not a you know New Zealand focused mm. uh, opportunity. And to be raising, you know, that sort of money for, you know, what you could say as a as a as a survey, a feedback type tool, mm. um, you know, I think speaks to just how well they've done uh, that that they would be attracting that level of investment. And um, you know, I'm not sure what their if they've shared what their current valuation. Um, no, they wouldn't tell me. Is that I think that was sort of um, reasonably under wraps, but um, we will we'll find out. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure at at some point. Yeah. Um, but my 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 pick is that sometimes for these sorts of um, this sort of you know fundraising, um, you've you've got to go to a different. Um, you know, a, a different type of investor that really, really gets the the size and scale of the opportunity, mm. and certainly, you know, that can be done in New Zealand. But part of this, you know, the success of of a startup is you've got to be moving very quickly. Yeah, and so sometimes you've got to make those hard calls, and you know, they made that call. To be US headquartered, which I, you know, I think, um, you know, many of us would would prefer that all our startups keep the headquarters in New Zealand. Sure, open your offshore offices if mm. you, you know, if you had to. But um, you have to make, you know, have to make those calls that are going to bring about the the right success for your business. Um, and if being US headquartered and and you know, raising your funds in those in in that market um, is the way that you're going to get the result. Um, then yeah, that's what you have to do. And you know, I think uh, you know we've certainly certainly seen that with Rocket Lab. Uh, yeah, in, exactly. In, in terms of you know raising funds there and and um, you know um, doing their their uh, their listing into and uh, in, you know into the into the. The Nasdaq um, and and the US market, and you know the result is very different if they decided to say list on the on the well NGX exactly, the and they they, they just seem to have, uh, they definitely want to watch. They've just done it very um, methodically. If you look back at um, there were there were three main investment VCs in this round, and it, uh, they were there were five Elms, Nexus, and then Blackbird from mm-hmm. from Australia. Yep. But if you look back, 
Blackbird was in 2017 that led their seed round. Nexus was 2019 that led their Series A, and then just at the end of 2021, so two-year gaps. And now Five Ohms is leading the uh, the Series B round. And then, you know, they're, they're the ones that led the previous rounds are investing. They're kind of building this, like, pyramid of... Uh, backers and it just seemed like a very intelligent way very kind of methodical way to do it so they, they've clearly um built up a lot of momentum yeah uh it's uh it's it's exciting to see and you know i'm i'm hoping there uh um yeah there'll be there'll be a lot of good you know flow on i guess you know here in new zealand and of course they, they still have um is it the the majority of their staff in New Zealand now? Do you know what they said? They said they, said they got about sixty, and they've mm. got half the employees in New Zealand. Yeah. So if yeah. you're a developer, they are hiring apparently, mm. and they <laughs> they're doing this new scheme, which was uh, quite remarkable, called a work from anywhere scheme, where they claim uh, the the CEO told me that they're offering every employee a annual um, budget to go anywhere in the world and work from there for a couple of weeks. So I think they got some people going to Hawaii just to work from there, just because they can now, pandemic permitting. So small perks like that is, is always nice to, to, to draw people in, but they're, they're clearly uh, putting their it's money where their mouth perk. is. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what, no. that's what you have to do to, you know, to attract the, the, the top uh, you know, talent into, into these startups, right? Apparently. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, and I guess it speaks to the challenge that we have in New Zealand with closed borders to um, – you know, yeah. to attract people, you know, probably similar challenges in the in you know parts of the US with uh, with attracting the right talent. Yeah, exactly. Really, really hard to do. Um, now we're kind of running running out of time. There were a couple of other uh, topics we we're potentially going to going to delve into. Um, we may have to we may have to you know um, follow your lead. <laughs> cull one or one one or two there. Um, I'm just uh, just have, having a having a little little bit of a look. Um, yeah, some interesting um, news we've had on uh, things going going wrong in the in the open source world, which mm. you know I don't think is a is. Um, I mean, it's just it's, it's the reality of of uh, of building software is there are going to be challenges. Um, but uh, you know this this week we uh, well before Christmas there was uh, log for J, which is an you know important um, um, element uh, used in in lot lots of uh, software and uh, um, on uh, on web servers and 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 so on that um, you know had some security issues. Um, this week, it's a, a software uh, project where um, the developer. I don't. I don't know if you could say he he, he hacked his he hacked his code, but he, he you know he messed he messed with his uh, code on 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 GitHub, um, and it, you know ultimately ended up getting um, you know getting pushed out to. Um, I think I read maybe it was you know hundreds of thousands of um, um, uh, downloads. So this particular um, uh, soft software um, faker.js and colors.js um, yeah gets millions of uh, of weekly uh, weekly down downloads like huge numbers. And so, um, yeah, basically causing 
causing some major dramas. And yeah, there's some pretty interesting stuff to follow on online if you're uh, if you're curious about that. Uh, look, I you know, yep, this has caused some people some inconvenience, but. Look, we're in a world where where um, you know, open source software is so key to you know how how things operate around the world, and we're so reliant on open source software. Um, it's it's not a bad thing um, for us to work through. Uh, you know, I guess the tech world to work through on um, and take some learnings from these instances. Um, obviously, you know, not nice if, if uh, you know, some software you, you use or you leverage for something has uh, has broken. Um, but it, it's better to have it happen with, uh, in this case, the, the uh, software update, you know, uh, created basically an infinite loop. It wasn't, right. you know, it was basically causing the, the, you know, causing software to hang rather than it was actually doing something that was, you know, Maliciously taking your data and 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 doing something really evil with it. <laughs> I suppose um, the positive so the positive thing is the positive thing about that story in the first place is that it's a story, right? It was a big deal that somebody did this, and it clearly isn't that common occurrence. So no, hopefully, no. we can still rely on you know people being like fairly uh, you know sticking to the rules when it comes to open source. The fact that that made international headlines, somebody trying to disrupt what is quite a kind of um, you know a sharing community. Um, it is probably a good thing in the end because people don't do it very often. Yeah, that's right. Um, and yeah, yeah, uh, I will leave that because there's a whole lot we could sort of go yeah. into, <laughs> into into a little bit more. But um, yeah, I would encourage folks that are, are interested in in that and, and you know how that might might impact them, um, you know, in business and you know those involved in the development world. It, it is worth. Uh, you know, delving in a bit more and, and, and understanding that. Um, e-readers, e-ink tablets, um, you've been um, playing around with the Kobo um, e-reader recently. I was uh, also was sent the um, the new um, Kindle yeah. um, just before before Christmas. These things seem to be, you know, getting their, their refreshes, not necessarily groundbreaking changes. Uh, on the e-reader side, but we've also got, you know, they use this, I mean, it's great te- technology, and we see it around our supermarkets now and other stores mm-hmm. where you've got these little, um, you know, sort of white-ish, um, light grey um, little displays with a, usually with a, with a black, um, you know, text on it that can basically be, you know, updated wirelessly. Um, you know, across a across a store, and they, these displays are very very low in terms of their their power usage, which why it works for a mm-hmm. you know uh, an e reader for reading your your ebooks etc. Um, you know, to last for weeks or or months off off a little bit of uh, charge. Um, so yeah, keen to keen to hear from you around that uh, Kobo. Um, but the other the other sort of two areas are quite interesting. One we saw at CES is BMW showing off. This new concept right. car um, covered in, in e-ink, so you know effectively you could change it between you know in theory black and white, um, grey, <laughs> um, or, or grey. But maybe you could put patterns or designs or whatever. And there also has been a sort of colour e-ink technology as well. Yep. So maybe that would actually be be a possibility uh, in future. Um, you know, putting my futurist hat on and, and looking at it, do I think 
that you know all cars are going to be covered in e-ink, so you can just change <laughs> change the colour. Um, I'm not sure that's a sort of a short term um, manoeuvre, and if that's the way we, we're going to go. But look, as as these costs come down, um, I mean, yeah. you know. It, it, anything, anything's possible, and the cost of technology does tend to, yeah. you know, uh, keep coming, coming down and down. Yeah, and exactly. Down. We've seen that with with the e-ink as well. I mean, just a disclaimer: I really love e-ink. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's a really cool technology. Yeah. And uh, I just remember the first. Bring back the, the Pebble Watch. Oh, exactly the Pebble. I love my Pebble. I think I've still got it somewhere. Um, but yeah, exactly. One of the first smartwatches and a very low power consumption. So you don't have to charge them every day. Yeah. You know, if you, your Kindle's not connected to Wi Fi, it can last for like a month or something. And mm-hmm. um, you remember the first Kindle I got was the one with the keyboard, and I just couldn't believe it, it was a thing. Yeah. And I think the last Kindle that I, that I had, I, it's about five years old and it still works perfectly. Um, but I've been playing around with, yeah, with the new Kobos. Um, there's, a, there's one called the Kobo Sage. And one called the Libra too. So they're slightly different price points. The the Sage is about five hundred dollars, which is not insignificant for for an e reader, but it has stylus input. So if you if you buy a book, you can you can notate it. You can have like your own notebook section as well. So it's kind of like stepping up the usage. Yeah, I'm yeah. really fascinated with that. And um, you know, I haven't spent much time with Remarkable, which uh, you know, I, mm. you know, quite a few uh, you know people have, have jumped into. But there's now quite a bit of you know competition, and, and Kobo are part of that, right? Yes. Where, yeah. Where it becomes a, a, a tablet of of sorts, right? Yeah, yeah. I reviewed yeah. the Remarkable too as well, which is the latest tablet from uh, the Scandinavian company Remarkable. Um, again, quite expensive uh, around that kind of same price point, but it's kind of an A4 slab. I've seen people in New Zealand using them as well, just uh, mm, out and mm. about. People, it is pretty yeah, cool. A lot of people buying them online. Yeah, and, and it's got cloud storage, so and you can sync it up, so you can access all of your your notes, you know, on your phone, and you can. It has really good handwriting to text conversion, like surprisingly good. Mm. It can um, integrate with different cloud services as well, and uh, yeah, just I mean, <laughs> it's kind of creating. Uh, a solution to a problem that humans have created and that we have these gadgets, you know, but when you're doing your work and you see the notifications coming in and you get distracted and realize you get on a Twitter hole for half an hour. <laughs> Whereas like on, on, a, on a remarkable way, I mean, it's basically just paper, right? It's the idea that you don't get distracted. Um, but the fact that, you know, you have all your notes backed up and you don't have to carry around like 100 notebooks, um, it, I, I find it quite compelling, yeah. Mm, mm. Um, now, lastly, just a, qu- a quick you know, mention, and we, there, there's so many things that we want to delve into with the New Zealand Tech Podcast, you know, throughout the year. Um, but we spoke last year with um, Aaron uh, Aaron McDonald, uh, Brooke Howard Smith, uh, in relation to uh, Fluff World, non fungible labs. This is um, um, NFTs, non fungible tokens, and, and still an area I think. You know, many of us probably haven't delved in super deep on. Probably, in fact, probably the large majority of people, uh, you know, still don't have a deep understanding of this technology. And what I always encourage, you know, around these new technology things is, you know, somehow work out a way to get your feet wet and get familiar. Mm. Um, but I, I'm really interested in um, what the opportunity is for. Uh, for New Zealanders in this space, because uh, you know we we have that interesting combination of very uh, very uh, creatively talented people, as well as having a, a lot of you know um, uh, innovation from the technology perspective. And you put those those two things together when it comes to uh, to, to NFTs, and um, you know there's potentially a really really good fit. 
and uh, what we're seeing out of out of the work that non fungible labs and some of the other uh, entities associated with them and 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 a few other projects as well uh, is some pretty impressive you know pickup internationally. And I think when when we when we talked with uh, with with Brock and um, and Aaron some uh, some. Well, not many months ago, actually, it was yeah, probably only I don't know three or four months ago, uh, and they just launched this uh, this fluff world uh, thing, and uh, it had you know turned over a fair bit at that stage, um, you know, into the tens of tens of millions, you know, New Zealand. I think that's uh, that's probably um, you know easily past the um, the sort of hundred million, and the uh, you know the value of these things they did. Uh, Ten thousand of their little, their little, um, you know, fluff things that. Uh, <laughs> well, I was going to say uh, for that, the uninitiated, what you're what you're describing, right, is little kind of uh, animated videos of you know um, avatars or creatures, right? I mean, they're, they're sold as kind of artwork, and they're one of a kind, are they? Yeah. So each one's unique, and and you know the um, the owner of of you know each individual asset gets uh, gets a, gets a license to be able to use them in whatever way. I th- you know think in the future we'll see those things being able to be transported into you know online games into I guess this this sort of metaverse concept that we you know that that we're we're hearing about for them to be sort of quite portable, and they're kind of building out this whole ecosystem, and they seem to be bringing quite a few people. You know, with them, they're getting a, you know, attention around the world. I see various um, musicians that have come on board and, in one way or another, to be to be a part of you know what they're doing. And some you know some um, reasonably well known um, artists. Um, Disclosure was one I saw you know tweeting to do with one of their things. I think uh, their, their newest um, uh, thing is, uh, is uh, NFT called uh, was called Party Bear, and I think it was Disclosure I saw was you know tweeting about that. And so yeah, you've got this um, this this sort of growing community that seems to be really on board. And you know when we when we talk to them, these little the well, the, the NFT the the rabbits the fluff world um, um, NFTs were I don't know maybe they were. Know, one or two k sort of New Zealand in terms of their um, their you know their cost to uh, to buy them using um, uh, the the Ethereum um, uh, tokens and uh, I think last I looked that was probably fifteen. Uh, Fifteen thousand uh, I mean, New yes. Zealand dollars or, yeah. or so. Now there's a whole lot of discussion and debate around. Are they going to be worth this sort of longer term? And what do we do when there's a hundred times as, as many things? And um, you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's how how much demand is 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 there going to be? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, kind of, I personally find it kind of inaccessible. Um, I don't really know where to start. I don't know if I want to. But then, I'm, and also, I do understand people's. Um, problem with it that they kind of say oh you've created scarcity you don't really own it because it's not a physical object um so i do kind of understand that that argument but then also it's just no less um exclusive or elitist in any way than like the art world say which unless you have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars you're you're not necessarily gonna get yourself into so i do kind of like that um it's at least accessible at quite sort of low price points as well 
Look, yeah, and there are free NFTs available, and that's the thing. If you, you know, it, it is a little bit confusing and complicated to, you know, to get into. It took me a in a, a, a little while to get my head yeah. around what I had to do, uh, and how you need to set up a, a MetaMask wallet, and you need some Ethereum uh, generally, and then you've got you know OpenSea where you go and kind of you know as a, as a place to to see these different uh, NFTs, and it's the you know the marketplace for them. And so on, um, and so we'll, we'll, you know, we'll probably do a little bit more, you know, during the year, sort of delve, delving into into that. Um, but the thing that that excites me is we've got Kiwis, you know, involved and that are that are generating money into uh, into New Zealand. I think, in fact, off Fluff World Project, um, they don- they were able to um, donate hundred thousand dollars to Auckland City Mission mm-hmm. um, at Christmas. So you know, there's there's real money coming back into the New Zealand economy. Um, you know, that's employing people. That's you know contributing to to good causes. Good to hear. Um, and so, you know, we want that side. We don't want people kind of losing their shirts and and so on. Uh, you know, gambling on things. Um, but there's yeah, there seems to be some genuinely, uh, you know, good things going on, and it, and it does seem to be a fit for, you know, for the for the creativity and uh, entrepreneurship and uh, you know, innovation that we often see coming out of. Uh, Coming out of New Zealand, so, yeah, um, kind, so kind of a parallel with um, taking companies abroad as well, right? I mean, if you're doing everything online, then if you're an artist, then you do have that option to kind of take your your work to a to a global audience if possible. So that can only be positive if if people are into it. Very, very much so, and and you know some of the the commentary, and yeah, you get these little bits and pieces, and you know tweets and things that uh, that go on. Uh, Discord seems to be between Discord and Twitter seems to be where uh, those interested in in, in mm-hmm. NFTs uh, hang out. Um, but you know a lot of commentary, and um, New Zealand seems to be getting a you know a pretty positive. Uh, you know, profile around the around the world for what's going on Definitely. here. So, um, you know, that's that's encouraging because it means we we you know we we start attracting uh, you know investment back into uh, into the local economy. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, great to uh, great to catch up, Henry. Now, um, just as we finish, you mentioned to me something that I I had missed. <laughs> um, business desk, who you uh, have have worked for and have been. Uh, um, a minor shareholder in, I believe, um, was acquired by uh, New Zealand Media and Entertainment, NZME. Yeah, in case you missed it. um, Yeah, just the end of last year, Business Desk uh, was acquired by NZME, uh, owner of the Herald. So as of uh, later this month, yeah, we are officially uh, an an NZME company. Um, For the moment, the the idea is that the two brands, the the Herald business section and Business Desk, will, will operate separately and competitively still. Mm. But to be honest, and I'm not even withholding anything from you, we don't really know how else uh, that's, that's going to play out uh, for the mo- and, and positively because at the moment they're simply acquiring us because we're growing yep. um, and we're doing well. And, um, yeah, we need, we, need, we need the backing of a, of a large company. So that's what's, that's what's happening. So Business Desk uh, will stay the same and hopefully just, uh, just get better. So. Just a small little uh, media story there, for, yeah. <laughs> in case you're interested, yeah. Yep. Um, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. that's it's an interesting to hear. I, I mean, yeah, we could go into all sorts of discussion around the New Zealand uh, media uh, sector and investment and the role mm. technology plays. But um, no, I, I mean, I've I've really appreciated um, you know what Business Desk has brought and having you know your 
your tech content on uh, on Business Desk oh, is, uh, is really good. So, um, you know, hopefully these things just uh, go from, from strength to strength going forward. Yeah, that's the plan. No, no, real, no real change, just, uh, just getting better, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, excellent. All right, well, thanks, everyone, for joining us on uh, this, our first episode of the New Zealand uh, Tech Podcast uh, for 2022, and we will look forward to uh, catching you again on the next episode. All right. Cheers, folks. Thanks, Henry. New Zealand Tech Podcast, the voice of the tech community. Proudly supported by Umbrella Connect.